Coming out of All-Star with Tas Mellis, no dunks. He had a live show in town, and now he is on the live podcast that is done in this town. This is Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm JP Chunga on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network, presented by First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz, and MLS number 3112, Equal Housing Lender. Before we get to Tas. And reviewing All-Star Weekend because it was quite the show that the NBA put on, that the Jazz put on. Participants every single day and all in front of the world, the NBA world, that descended upon the city. But the bit of news from the team that came out of All-Star break, Russell Westbrook no longer on the team, waved, didn't get a chance to see double zero in downtown Salt Lake City, the dream of Russ was just that, a dream. And I'm glad I had Chris Mannix on post-trade deadline because he wasn't really buying that he had an opportunity to play here or that he was going to play here. But I am surprised it's L.A. that he's going to land. Mace was talking about this. Chicago seemed like the place that he was going to end up. His former coach, team that needed a little jolt, and Russ is only going to play one way. It's what's made him an MVP, an all-NBA player, the guy that dragged OKC into the playoffs. Good luck telling him the way that he plays doesn't work. So him staying in L.A. but going to the Clippers, it seems, at least to me, that this was a player's move rather than one made by the front office. It seems very DeAndre Jordan-ish where the Nets were compelled to get one of Kevin Durant's friends on the team so that he would be happy. Does that lead to long-term happiness? KD's in Phoenix now. So we'll see how he does in L.A. It's a much better situation because shooting's around him, and he has better players. He's not going to be as relied upon as he was in the Lakers version of this, but he's not going to be on the Jazz, and Utah doesn't have an opportunity to face him later on in the year. No opportunity at a revenge game. Five stars, nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. Let others know that you're listening to the podcast. Tas Mellis of No Dunks. He was here doing a live pod at the Urban Lounge. They had a lot of fun. I heard great reviews from the No Dunks crew. And frankly, great reviews from Salt Lake for hosting the All-Star Game. My personal highlight was catching up with jazz legends. If you've been listening to the podcast long enough, you know my favorite jazz player of all time, my favorite NBA player of all time, the one that I grew up with and said, that's going to be my guy, is Memento Kerr. And I was able to talk to Memo. I was able to get Jerry Sloan's stories from Memo. I was able to talk to him about AK and his outings with him to get Turkish Delight a Turkish delicacy that they would share because they live right next to each other. All those stories. It was fun. I knew All-Star was going to be interesting when on the first day I help guide Worldwide Wob into the building and then I see Darren Williams just putting up shots. It was pretty cool. And this is pretty different from a regular week. It was one of those moments where you realize the NBA, there is nothing like it. And for someone like me, who loves the history, who loves basketball, who loves all of these players that have made 
the league what it is today, All-Star's where I got to be. And I was so, so proud with how Utah, Salt Lake represent themselves. But don't take it from me. Take it from Toss. No dunks. Listen to it every day. Check out the YouTube. Check out the merch. I remember when they were the Basketball Jones in the Grantland days. Basketball podcast OG, Toss Mellis on Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. When it comes time to move, it's always a hassle. Loading everything in the truck, hoping the priceless antique from your mother doesn't break, and trying to juggle the kids and dog in the middle of it all is enough to drive anyone crazy. But it doesn't have to be that way. The friendly, background-checked movers at Bailey's Moving and Storage have the expertise to move your family across town or even around the world. So when it's time to move, think Bailey's Moving and Storage. Call today at 801-218-2640 or check them out online at baileysallied.com. New York when I'm originally from Toronto I remember being in the concourse there and it was 2016 and just thinking I never thought that Toronto would get an all-star weekend I saw some bad teams <laughs> a franchise that was you know sort of on the kind of kind of you know teetering between existing and not especially coming in with Vancouver Grizzlies and the way they went and the people the way people were declining coming to play in Toronto. I just never thought I'd see the day. So I'm sure there are some Utah fans, not that they've had that problem, but the fact that they're getting uh, uh, an all-star weekend, it was, uh, I'm sure, overwhelming. I'm sure you're tired. Uh, I'm, I'm sure everyone uh, <laughs> in Salt Lake City is uh, just, just beaming, and they should be, and they put on a good show. I know it was going to be a tough weekend when I was tired on Thursday. And then <laughs> I had, oh, no, there there are more days to go after this. But still, it was a lot of fun to have everybody in the NBA world, like I said before we started, come down to your city, enjoy your city, and see it on the big stage. How was that live show for you? Because you know it's a big event when teams or people are doing live podcasts in your city. You guys had one. I heard from people that went. It was awesome. They enjoyed the energy in the room. The Urban Lounge is a good venue. How was it on your end? Yeah, I'm getting goosebumps as soon as you say the Urban Lounge. It was, uh, it was, yeah, really, it was electric. It was fun. Uh, the fans made it so great. And it was uh, our first time doing a live show in three years. And we had been scheduled to do more later on in 2020 when everything uh, got turned upside down. So this was, yeah, a long time coming. We had a bit of an itch to do it. And the Urban Lounge was a, a great venue for it. And yeah, we put it up as a podcast and you can hear the energy of the fans that just made it happen. There was a, uh, we were, it felt like we were just sitting around talking. I was going to say there was a, like a lack of basketball talk. I think there was just a, a small amount of basketball talk because, uh, you know, we just wanted to hang with everybody and it was great. It ended with me, uh, uh, it ended with a Q and A and uh, somebody asked, hey, hey, Task, can you give your sweater to my girlfriend? He literally said, <laughs> can my can my girlfriend have your sweater? And it was the first time I had worn that sweater. I purchased it for that show. And uh, in the spirit of Salt Lake, I mean, everything going so well. I said, yes, 
come on up here. Here you go. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, it was, it was, so it was a memorable one wear sweater. Uh, but yeah, the show was, <laughs> the show was great. And I guess like now, it, it, I mean, if there's people out there listening, contemplating whether or not they want to go to an all-star weekend, absolutely. You got to go. And, and like you said, the live pods, I think are now, they're not, uh, an exception. They're just going to be a fixture for, you know, just because of the way, uh, you know, pods are proliferating around. It's fun. Even if you can't go to the events, I know I was talking to a lot of people because the events are ridiculously expensive. Uh, yeah, both Saturday and Sunday, you can go to a live pod, uh, and have a great time. So that was, that was awesome. Uh, that was, that was really, really fun. Was there big analysis of Guillermo's wedgie from the celebrity <laughs> game earlier that day? <laughs> I saw Guillermo in uh, in the lobby of of the Marriott Hotel, and I don't know I, I, that may be the most excited I was all weekend just to see Guillermo. And then, yeah, we saw the wedgie, and he was as excited, I think, as uh, all of us, as all the no dunkers and the no dunker fans to to stick that wedgie with his uh, very unique form. Uh, that was uh, yeah, that that was amazing. It it was great. Because the game, I didn't think would get a wedgie. I didn't think that anybody. Well, actually, if you were watching the shooting of the rookies, maybe they would have gotten a wedgie uh, yeah. during the skills challenge. But Guillermo nailing it for you guys. I thought that was good. <laughs> no dunks representation on the weekend. Yes. Yeah, he, and, he did it. Yeah, even and even the all stars because they were chucking from forty feet. Like Dame was. True. You never know. You never know. Some it could be stuck. But yeah, Guillermo. Guillermo did it for us. Yeah, that that felt great. Saturday night, does this make the Jazz the most skilled team in the NBA? <laughs> well, if anything, JP, that this will be remembered sort of in, in tandem with the Jazz winning it. Hopefully, it will be remembered as being the last one because I think they've got to they've got to axe it. It was it was getting ridiculous. It was, it was just so bad. The fact that there are three three events for one. What are, yeah. what are we doing? And there's a point system that we have to keep in track yeah. of? Guys, no. No, I know. I know. And, and Jordan Clarkson said there's no reason to do this ever again. Was he talking about himself for having won or just in general? Why are we doing this NBA? It doesn't really make a lot of sense. But before each one of the competitions, as you said, like three parts, shooting part, the, uh, the relay part uh, and whatever the other part was, uh, I forget. But anyways, they had the, they had the, the passing. Well, I was going to say passing, but that sounds even weird coming out of my mouth to say, why are they passing? Why is Jordan Clarkson passing? He doesn't pass. He said it. He said it after. <laughs> and so in the arena, they had a little demonstration by children before each part of the event. So they would go through the relay. They would go through the, the passing event. And then they did the shooting. And they, I think they hit like three shots. Uh, so they had eight points because of the, the, the scoring system. And then the rookies stepped up and only hit one shot. I mean, the, the kids outdid the rookies. Uh, it was so sad. I'm glad they didn't show that on television because that's all you would see on Twitter is these <laughs> children outdoing the rookies. Uh, you know, yeah, it was just bad. I, even the lighting during... The Adetokounmpo bros were going through part of their whatever portion it was of their routine. 
and the lighting went down because I'm sure the lighting operator's like, this is, is this a break? I mean, it, it didn't even feel like a competition at times. It's just filler. Uh, it's, it's gotta go. I mean, we've talked about it on our show forever. The shooting stars contest was always good. You know, you had a, an NBA player, a WNB player and a legend and they'd shoot from half court and that's fine. I mean, they like it. The NBA players do that. They, we saw Luka Doncic at practice turn around and shoot a mid-court bomb uh, with his back to the basket. Like they do that. They like that. That's the the competitive part of practice every day. So I think they should, they got to go back to that. I mean, that's something that's fun for them. So I, yeah, Jordan Clarkson's right. Uh, why make me pass? And also why are we doing this? <laughs> there needs to be something to ease everybody in, but that's not the, the competition to ease everybody in. It's too yeah. long. It's very long. Three point. Everybody loves slam dunk it proved that it's back with mac mcclung that night but the first event we got to get it moving we got to get it moving uh quicker and i feel like first events for all-star we're having a tough moment the draft took forever too goodness it did how it are we did. doing these first things that we put on television are taking forever yikes yeah I, I, yeah i i think with the, the draft part because people had been calling for it for so long. I think they were fine milking it a little bit because people wanted this playground picking style since they decided to go to the the drafting of, from the captains instead of the East and West. And so I don't know, I'm making excuses for them. It took forever. And to flip the starters being picked after the reserves made no sense. It's, it's unfortunate. Like, why would you want to see the starters be picked after the reserves? It was to to shield, to preserve the feelings of the last reserve picked. That's what it was for. We've seen, I've seen it in the NHL. There was an NHL player, Phil Kessel was the first one who's sitting there alone, uh, picked last and everybody, and uh, Alexander Ovechkin was taking photos of him, making fun of him. So they wanted to do away with that. They wanted to uh, make sure the players didn't feel sad. <laughs> these, these grown men for being picked last. But they actually did a good job of the, that last moment when Sabonis and Jaron Jackson Jr. were the last reserve. Sabonis was picked second last, and they said, all right, Jaron Jackson Jr., that means you're going to Team LeBron, league leader in blocks. And they just made it pretty quick. In the end, because it was chronological, Jokic and Markkanen, as you know, were you know the last two picked of the starters. And it seems like those were the last guys picked because they were picked last because they were picked after the reserve. So they didn't really shield anything. And uh, I, I don't know what happened with, with I, I didn't hear if Lowry was asked about it, that he was essentially picked last because the Joker, obviously, you know, pulling that Joker. And, uh, and, and I don't know if you heard what he said afterwards. He said he didn't see Lowry marketing. Come on. He's How seven feet tall. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was sitting on a stool, I guess, but come on. He's right next to you sitting on a stool. Yeah, that was weird. He just didn't want to be picked last night. I guess. I mean, I didn't understand that, but it was gl <laughs> I'm glad that Lowry gets inclusion in the game because, as you probably anticipate, like Jazz fans this year were a little worried about how the season was going to go. And for Lowry to play this well through the first two thirds of the season and to be not only a reserve, but then elevated as a, a starter with this group with the injury replacements, like th it was cool to see him get an ovation and on Rising Stars the night before, uh, Walker Kessler got a big ovation. The Jazz fans who were in the building, even though All-Star is for so many different people because it's so 
crazy priced, the jazz people who were in the building really gave both those guys a big hand. Totally. The story was Larry Markin, and I'm glad he played so well as well in the first quarter. Uh, he was, you know, working hard on the offensive end, <laughs> as hard as you can work in an all-star game, getting alley-oops and throwing it down. Yeah, and he's deserved every single bit of the love that uh, he got this weekend and throughout the first few months. And I was excited to see him come into the season that way because I, like everybody else, uh, thought that this trade for Donovan Mitchell was about the draft picks, even for, uh, you know, it was more of an Ochai Abaji trade, I thought, at first, uh, than a Lowry Markinen trade. But I watched Markinen uh, in uh, the European tournament uh, before the season in, in August and September, and he was a monster. He was a beast, and he's obviously carried that into uh, the, the season. I didn't know it was going to last this long, but, yeah, the variety in his game, uh, the fact that he's not just a three-point shooter, uh, but he's, you know, his shot distribution is all over the floor is great. And yeah, it was, I, I love the buzz every single time. It was great to have so many participants uh, from the jazz side. As a matter of fact, yeah, as I said, we live in Atlanta. Uh, we got on a plane to come to Utah and there were a couple people in business class that were had some sort of basketball affiliation for sure. There's two tall gentlemen. Uh, it seemed like a father and son. And uh, and when we got off the plane, we realized uh, after a bit that it was Walker Kessler's father and brother. And uh, we put it all together. Oh, yeah, dad played at the University of Georgia. Uh, and uh, then we saw him at a, a CAA party. The whole, the whole family was there. And so that was cool. I mean, I, I thought that uh, it was great to even even if it was a rising or not a rising star, a skills challenge. It was great to have a participant in uh, in so many events of the weekend. And he sunk a three in that yeah. shooting competition. Get yeah. him shooting threes. He needs to start lobbying to Will Hardy. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure Will will experiment. I'm sure he will. <laughs> he was there. He watched it. Uh, that's cool that you saw a Walker Kessler's family coming in. These kids getting their first opportunity at the All Star game. Walker didn't necessarily have a McDonald's All-American to celebrate because I think his happened during COVID. So he didn't get that moment at a huge All-Star game. And now having it for a hometown one, it's good. He's been amazing to watch through the first portions of this year. What have you enjoyed in of watching Walker Kessler? Uh, he's just uh, – he's pretty relentless. Uh, there's not a possession that he takes off on the defensive end. And – uh, it's uh, it's just uh, it's the skill set that I, I know people we we all talk about small ball and all that, but um, our man David Aldridge I just read on on the Athletic uh, wrote something about tall ball sort of taking over skilled tall players are you know still uh, very desired in this league. You you need a rim protector, so if he is going to play like that in his rookie season, I mean he's going to have a fifteen year career if he if he's able to to have that drive to be able to deter shots. So uh, yeah, the, that part of it uh, and, and his touch as well. I mean, it's easy to just talk about the defensive end with him, but he's got serious touch uh, in the lane and, and maybe from the three point line. Now let me tell you about first colony mortgage. They've been serving the lending needs of Utah for more than 35 years. 
As a mortgage banker, First Colony Mortgage offers advantages over other lenders. Not only do they process mortgages, they also underwrite, fund, and close mortgage loans all in-house. Their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs. Just check them out. First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz. three-point competition it's it's good um there's a there's a higher floor for it you know it's always going to be good but it doesn't have the ceiling of the dunk contest you you can't get as excited the buzz in the in the arena for you know all four of those guys even in the first round i think it, it probably it rose the 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 level of excitement it escalated and then it peaked with mac mcclung as the fourth dunker in that first round and then he he stole the show so yeah, there's there's no contest. Uh, it was uh, it was the Mac McClung show, and a lot of the times in a in a dunk contest, things can go awry. There could be you know the digital boards don't work, and 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 sometimes yeah, my man D Wade will you know decide to drop a number, drop to his uh, rating for <laughs> for a dunker, or like there'll, there'll be something that fans can make fun of. But it was just a phenomenal product that was put forth it was just really 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 well done and even like i i'll I'll harken back to toronto because you know i'm being nostalgic here uh, after coming back from salt lake city it was a cold weekend in toronto and really the dunk contest was saved i'm sorry the all-star weekend was saved by the dunk contest it was saved by zach levine versus aaron gordon that weekend and salt lake city was was a, a very good all-star weekend, but it, it will now be remembered as the Mac McClung dunk contest because he just had the place buzzing. Four dunks, four attempts, didn't have to try a second time. And yeah, we debated on, on our show when we came back uh, on our, our No Dunks Monday episode, what will be the most memorable dunk from McClung? Is it the jumping over two guys, put it off the board, reverse, or is it the the double pump, the actual double pump, that one for you? I think pump. it is the double pump because remembering in the arena how one how crazy people reacted. I don't think yeah. people understand when you're at one of these uh, dunk contests, the entire side where the players are, they're yeah. all standing and they've got their phones out and they're reacting instantaneously. And when he double pumped, one it was cool that you were able to get the replay and the reaction when people saw the replay was, whoa, he <laughs> actually did that. So I think the double pump was my favorite of the ones that he did. Yeah, I, I kind of go with the two guys, jumping over two guys. But yeah, it's played out for some, I suppose, jumping over people. Uh, but yeah, both phenomenal. And yeah, for a, for a G-leaguer you know, slash new NBA player to step up to the challenge. I mean, he became the favorite. He told uh, Sham Sharania that I got two dunks that no one's ever seen before. And then he... He pulled off every single dunk. So yeah, that's that's what we're gonna remember this uh, dunk contest for the the scenic Salt Lake City for sure, and also uh, <laughs> Mac McClung. What were your expectations for him going into oh. the weekend? Because I wasn't in on the Mac McClung hype. 
And then, obviously, he blew the doors off of me once he actually started dunking. Oh, super low. They were super low for me. <laughs> uh, especially because, like, last year, uh, we, had a, we had a terrible dunk contest. Yeah. Guys just not performing. Didn't seem like they practiced, even though they, I'm sure they did practice. But Terrible gimmicks. Awful yeah. gimmicks last year. An NFT yeah. dunk. Uh, Tim's dunk. No thanks. It was bad. So the expectations super low, especially without the star power in it. But that's how how you get a payoff, right, JP? When your expectations are extremely, extremely low. Now they're going to be high next year because I assume McClum comes back as long as he's in the NBA. I mean, when he was asked afterwards, "Hey, will he come back?" He should have said, "Yeah, as long as I have an NBA contract." I mean, somebody signed me. <laughs> like, like he hasn't played an NBA minute quite yet so hopefully he's back uh but it worked it was a good weekend for the g league uh it, it, as far as uh having a, a bunch of players in the rising stars challenge and that and then their all-star game on sunday and uh we've started we've started here in atlanta to to go to the, the college park skyhawks games uh the the hawks g league affiliate it's a fun show so if anyone ever uh has that ability go check it out it's a blast and so hopefully mac mcclung yeah, it, whether he's he's got a two way contract now. Hopefully he's back. But anyway, I wasn't. Yeah, I was like you. Expectations pretty low uh, with with the names that were in there, and I wasn't bu- quite buying that the McClung hype. But man, he did it. Trey Murphy even impressed me. Oh because yeah. Because as a runner up, that was pretty good. What he did, where he asked the entire crowd, windmill or tomahawk, and he does both. It went very smooth, and it didn't take too long like other dunk contests in the past have yeah. or have the opportunity to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, Trey Murphy, four for four on attempts. Uh, and uh, Jericho Sims, two for two on attempts. The only guy who who missed uh, was Kenyon Martin Jr. So three guys, perfect. Oh. Every single attempt. And he also had the gimmick uh, Trey Murphy did of the, the Jose Alvarado. I'd call that a gimmick where – uh, Jose Alvarado stole the ball from him and threw it off the glass. And first attempt, Trey Murphy threw that down. I thought Trey Murphy's uh, dunk where he jumped, threw it up between his legs and was able to catch it in the air and windmill it on the first attempt was was pretty great. I mean, you really just need one guy to make the dunk contest. And McClung did that. But Trey Murphy forced him to put a 50 down at the end uh, because he was that good. So we waited, we waited with bated breath until McClung's 50 where he dropped a 720 and, you know, through the sort of the Vince Carter across his chest type thing. And yeah, so he, he was a perfect number two and uh, the guy, the guys all performed. Yeah. He was, he was definitely the second best uh, dunker on the night, but yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by him for sure. Big Jose Alvarado weekend. Salute yeah. to a short king. He really rocked it out. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was, uh, he stole, I think, the MVP from my man, Scotty Barnes, on Friday night in the Rising Stars Challenge with that, that last basket. But he was so pumped. He, uh, he took a photo of his practice gear for the Rising Stars Challenge and was uh, pretty excited. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's a lot of people's kings. I mean, he is, uh, he's great. He, he's, he's so fun. He's good for the NBA. And uh, it's nice to have guys who are just super excited to be there. Cause that's what it's about. Sometimes these guys are a little too cool for school and they say, 
and uh, I've been there, done that. I'm, like you said, there were players excited for the dunk contest, that wall of players, as you said, filming everything. Uh, and like Yanis Tetkumpo, I, I think was, you know, the biggest superstar of all of them who was there Friday night, yes. Saturday night, <laughs> Sunday night. I mean, he was just, he was like a kid out there. He was the celebrity coach with his clipboard. Uh, and then uh, Saturday night with the skills challenge with, uh, he, he wasn't even participating uh, and he was there. And then he was, you know, uh, the draftee and he was just uh, ridiculously excited. He was dancing at the halftime show. So it's just nice to have guys who really, really, really want to be there. So I thought Yanis uh, showed out uh, pretty well for, for himself and, and the league. And scored his first win as a GM. Yeah. Even though he drafted John Morant too early <laughs> during the all-star draft. I can't keep track of who's starting and who's a reserve either. I mean, there's so many guys like John Morant was originally a reserve. So I think Yanis just did his homework as soon as that happened. Uh, but yeah, he became uh, a starter after Steph went down the game. I don't know. Yeah. Where they, They've got to incentivize winning. So there's some defense played, right? You can't just go for... Do you do Elam ending every quarter? Yeah, I guess. Uh, so then the clock would go off. I'd be, I mean, I, it would be an improvement, right? It can't be can't be worse than what it was so you play i guess you don't get i mean you could make the elam ending higher right because i think yeah the the 24 dedication to kobe they probably wouldn't that wouldn't be enough uh just just in terms of length why why would you want to make it longer task but i think you have to make it uh but you're right i mean that's that's a slight improvement some people are saying, you know, to to throw some sort of whether it's a cash prize or like a draft pick prize or like it's hard. It's hard in this day and age. You see a lot of all star weekends. The games aren't great. Like baseball is the best one because it's most like baseball. Um, you know, you can't really change the game. You can't not play defense, I guess. So it's tough. You see the NFL playing dodgeball. Uh, so, yeah. It's not bad. You think the Elam ending would work each quarter? I thought it was such a good improvement that first year that they used it where Kyle Lowry is taking a charge just to make sure that his team wins. Like People are actually caring about it. If you use it e each quarter, there's at least some incentive so we don't have all eight players standing on one side and then Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown playing basketball on the other end. Yeah, but see, that's all right. That's fine. That's happened historically as well where you get a one-on-one -on -one, like you know Shaq trying to dribble around a, a guard or whatever like that's fun that I, I think that's all right I, I think maybe we'd all be a little less uh peeved or or you know bored of it if they picking of the teams didn't take as long because it just it started so late uh but yeah to we're asking for defense in the all-star game I mean it's just yeah, this exhibition that guys are just they're just messing around. <laughs> so, yeah, we get, we've somehow gotta gotta get them to want to play deep. The Elam ending's not bad, even if it's to a ridiculous number, uh, like you know, forty or something, a high number. At least it'd be fun. And and I would like to see some of the the reserves play more minutes. I mean, make it a you know a little bit more equal. There's guys like didn't play at all. It felt like, you know, guys play like nine minutes, a bunch of them like Fox and and Jaron Jackson Jr. And there's too many of them, I thought.
That's why when people say expand the roster to 15, we can barely get 12 out there That's on the floor. Cool. I agree there should be more All-Stars, but this is a tough call. We have to make some tough decisions when it comes to actually contracting the rosters and getting things to where guys will play out there on the floor. And defense, LeBron said he he got one possession of defense in him to Mike Malone, and then uh, <laughs> he gets injured on the, on the <laughs> Possession of defense that he does play. So it's Yeah, and then Shea Gilgis Alexander, the guy who he blocked and, and hurt his finger on the rim. Shea Gilgis Alexander was uh feisty about that after the game. He said he said, Yeah, he wouldn't block me. He didn't play defense all game and then he he came and blocked me. I, I got something for him next time. So I mean <laughs> so funny that we're getting uh, uh players are getting upset over one possession of defense. Yeah, they just you got to make them f- find a way to care. I mean, it, it's sort of like the midseason tournament that Adam Silver is proposing to a degree. Like, how are we going to care about that? Well, there has to be some sort of prize on the line in that. Whether yeah, we're, when we talk about that, it's either cash or some sort of draft compensation, which I don't think is going to happen, or something like that. So, yeah, things have to change in the uh, the All Star game too. Um, you know, whether it's you know, make it uh, more of an incentive to be all-star game MVP or uh, you know, more money for charity after each quarter, which, which you know, goes uh, to the winners of the first, second, and third quarter. But it's also, like you said, it, I was excited the first time with the Elam ending in the fourth quarter, but I was watching with my wife and she said, "What? what is going on? I mean, it is kind of confusing. That's not like a regular basketball game that the score gets reset after every quarter. Uh, so there's got to be got to be away or if it's looked at as like four games um i don't know you're right though elementing not a bad idea russell westbrook your favorite memory of him as a jazz man <laughs> oh the tease that russell westbrook could be a member of the utah jazz that 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 could happen that would have been fun and i think that's like a team that's sort of in the play and tournament picture is the perfect team for Russell Westbrook. That's why this Clippers idea, I'm not a fan of, I think they've got way too much depth for that. But if he would have gone to somebody like the bulls uh, or, or like as a good team, like the heat to help out their bench, that's lacking. They picked love instead. I get that. Uh, That the Clippers thing is they've got a great, point guard right now Terrence Mann who's working out and they've got other guards so I'm I'm a little confused by that but yeah did you ever think that he could actually suit up for the Utah Jazz or is that was that just me dreaming I didn't think so it was a little touch and go at the very beginning but I always thought he was destined to go somewhere else I did see someone uh, already as I was walking about during All-Star Weekend, they had a Jazz Patrick Beverly jersey. So I was assuming, oh, somebody might get the Jazz Russell Westbrook jersey or the <laughs> Jazz Derrick Rose jersey for people in the in the past who remember when Derrick Rose was traded here and then got bought out as well. But oh, nice I didn't one. think that Westbrook would end up being on this team. See, those jerseys, they don't, they don't carry much if a guy never played a game, right? Like, it's funny. In, in 2004, when Rasheed Wallace was traded to the Atlanta Hawks and then rerouted after a game, that's a good one. Uh, 
that, that one's funny. But when you don't play a game and you're released, nah. No good memories of him in a jazz uniform. It's a shame. No. Uh, the, I, I thought I thought there was a chance, though. Maybe I'm just gullible, but I just thought that because, you know, they – it doesn't even make sense coming out of my mouth trying to reason it right now. <laughs> you know, like, it, 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 it doesn't really make all that much sense. You know, they'd rather have minutes for younger guys, and that makes a heck of a lot more sense. And you see guys like, yeah, Ochai Baji starting – for the rest of the season, most likely, like those are the minutes that are more important. Uh, now, I don't think the Jazz need help selling tickets, uh, and I think that is something Westbrook could do even now. Like I said about the Bulls, like they also don't need help selling tickets, but a team that could be propelled by him to put them into the play-in tournament, and that would that could help if they're really, really trying to go for it, like he was with the Wizards. But uh, yeah, uh, he could he could have made it fun. Like he could get whatever shot he wanted with the Jazz. I guess is why I thought that could happen, and and it would be a good story considering his history with Utah that he would actually play for them. But uh, the Clippers, what a risky move! I can't wait to see how that works. How many risky moves are there in the Western Conference? Because I look at Kyrie on Dallas, and that is risky move number one of mm. the entire league to see, hmm, can this work with these two? Cubes, very much a risk taker, trying to compensate for allowing Jalen Brunson to go to New York. That was uh, a huge mistake. And now he's, he's really, as, as you said, he's playing with fire here. Kyrie is a free agent at the end of the season, could leave for absolutely nothing. And uh, that a huge risk. So that one, I mean, the the Durant move, far less risky. Uh, going into the season, guy who's going to be 34, uh, thinking, okay, is like how much more does Kevin Durant have? Well, he he's proved that he's got a lot left. So there, that's that is far less risky, even though Chris Paul is, you know, getting pretty old. Um, I, I mean, the Lakers moves are somewhat risky too. They didn't sacrifice a lot for their future, but I don't think they're going to be that much better with the, the tinkering that they've done. It does set them up a little bit better for the future, but you know they could still be a lottery pick or a lottery team, I should say, uh, in a couple of years when LeBron and AD are done. So I think those are the risky ones. Am I missing any as I as I fly through them? Minnesota, Mike Conley. Nah. The opposite of risky, I would say. Um, well, Rudy Gobert was risky. Having to take out D'Angelo Russell and put in Mike Conley is definitely a move in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, definitely uh, a guy who's older probably has a you know a lower ceiling game to game than D'Angelo Russell, but it just makes sense as as far as a fit goes for Minnesota to have Conley. Conley's uh, time in Utah, I'm sure, was uh, was was good for everybody involved, just because he's such a rock there. Uh, so I I can't wait to see the last 20 games for the Jazz without Conley and Vanderbilt uh, and Beasley, you know, to a lesser extent. But I, I don't know. Will Hardy was running such a good ship there. I, I don't think they're going to fall off. I mean, to be you know 60 games in the season, close to 500, is a huge accomplishment. 
now without Conley, who is that stabilizing guy, I, I would like to see you know, if they can still pull off uh, a 500 team. I'm sure they're confident enough to do that. And Simone Fantecchio, as you guys detailed, the <laughs> phenomenal name in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, even months before that game winner, I got to pat myself on the back, was watching the Jazz games and, and watching him contribute. It's a little like Vlatko Chanchar of uh, the Denver Nuggets, also another great name, also contributing. And uh, he's playing actually some real minutes for the Nuggets right now. So, yeah, I mean, you can see the game. He's got game. It made, made sense. That's a good Danny signing uh, to bring him over. I'm not even sure if it was a or if that was pre pre Danny, but, you know, in that era. So that could see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we go deep on our show, JP. We don't we don't mess around. You guys do. It's it. That's why it's a great show. That's why people showed up to the live show. That's why you guys had a live show and it was uh, sold out at the Urban Lounge. We didn't talk about Simone Fontecchio. He was unavailable. I tried he to deserved, get him out. He deserved the mention because during content day, as media uh, always does, we got him to do this for the Utah Jazz social, so it was good. <laughs> the Italian hands. He played along. Uh, do yeah. Do uh, does anyone ever told him, you know, face to face that uh, he looks like the actor from The White Lotus in season two, like Albie? Uh, Whoa! No, nobody has. Oh yeah, that came up. Uh, my man Skeets uh, brought that up on the show. Albie, who was duped in uh, season two, I just watched it. Actually, it's fresh on the brain. I watched it on okay. the plane back and forth from uh, <laughs> from Salt Lake. You can't deny it. Once you see it, it's uh, it's uncanny. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that's pretty good. I, I'll have yeah. to bring it up uh, next time <laughs> when we when we go uh, and have an availability with Simone Fantecchio. Yeah, but I, he, I wonder yeah. if he's watched it. Yeah, good question. No, no idea. I don't have the feedback on that. That's why we were trying to get him out to the show. We wanted him on on stage. We want to talk to him about it. Favorite in the West uh, for the last third of the season. What do you think? Oh, I'm taking the Nuggets. I I I would like to see you know Jokic have his due his day in the sun. He's he's made it to one conference finals that wild season where. I think that was the season that they came back from two, three, one deficits uh, on uh, on Doc that one series, and uh, it was the Jazz the other series, right? Or my it was it was sorry, it was the Jamal Murray that. Jamal Murray Donovan Mitchell that series, yeah. So they made the one conference finals. I, I can't I can't anoint the Phoenix Suns quite yet, but I, I think I would probably have. Nuggets, Suns, Clippers as my third team because I, I find the the Grizzlies, even though they're the second seed, uh, their their half court offense is is lacking. It's something like twenty fourth in the NBA, and all the rest of the the teams behind them are lottery teams, but they make up those points in transition and and in other areas. So when it comes to playoffs, you got to have a half court offense. So that, I, I think. I think the Nuggets are the favorite. Who do you think? I love the Nuggets. I've been on the Nuggets all year, and I think Reggie Jackson, sneaky good for the Nuggets. That's a good call, yep. He's been in so many playoff games that he knows what to do once you get into that part of the postseason. He'll fit in in that Bones Highland uh, role. Bones, was, another risky move for uh, for the Clippers. Yeah, they just they just love it. 
They love it. It's like uh, to me that yeah, it's like the the Cavs LeBron era. They'll just bring any guy who has had any sort of track record in the NBA, bring him on in. Bones, Eric Gordon, uh, and, and now Westbrook. I mean, I just don't get it. I just don't get it because Norm Powell has to shoot. The guy's been on fire. I think he's my he's my sixth man of the year. He's been on fire. So if you know those guys I just mentioned, Bones, Eric Gordon, Russ. I, those could be the three guys playing with Norm Powell, or they, or he's going to take Russ is going to take Terrence Mann's minutes, who's been so great. He's been a better Reggie Jackson. That's why they let him go. Uh, that's um, yeah, confusing to me. But uh, the Reggie Reggie on the Nuggets is a great pickup, and it was a little confusing to see them trade Bones Highland. Although you know the reports afterwards that he wasn't driving with the entire organization made sense, but they were able to just go off the buyout wire and and as you said, get a guy who's played a ton. Uh, in in big games and and helped out there so yeah good call i'm looking forward to it because the nuggets have shown themselves to be one of the top teams but it's there's an opportunity for these other teams to challenge phoenix looks interesting uh dallas will be interesting whatever they do and there's always golden state out there in san yeah, francisco and even didn't even mention them uh, exactly the fact yeah. that we haven't even mentioned them they're also lurking when yeah. Steph Curry gets back. Yeah, and the and and the Clippers have, uh, although all the talk about them is, oh, Kawhi sits out all the time. Paul George sits out all the time. They've been playing really, really well, and that's why they're fourth. And uh, I know you you mentioned the the Timberwolves. I mean, they have played really good basketball after January first. They played really, really well, like you know, six fifty winning percentage. So, yeah, no jokes, no jokes in the West, as you said, it's wide open. And no dunks on your podcast. Nice. That's a great transition, JP. Yeah. Great. It's Tuesday after All-Star Weekend. How are you pulling this off with the transitions, man? I'm gassed right now, and I, and I didn't even have to host. Uh, so, so that was very well done. Yeah, we uh, yeah we go every day for the rest of the season, although we're taking today and, and tomorrow off. And uh, we go into the playoffs. We do yeah a bunch of, uh, a bunch of stuff surrounding the game. Just hardcore playoff talk once we get to april but uh looking forward to to that but yeah in the meantime i am looking forward to the last uh, 20 games of the season to see how teams like the suns come together the clippers come together the lakers come together uh, let's see what the pelicans can do if if and when zion comes back what the warriors are going to do so even though these are the sort of i guess they're the the dark days of the NBA season coming up. Uh, I, I am looking forward to it because this is this is really important time for for the Suns, the Mavs, as you said. Wild could have a guy just get traded for and leave a couple months from now to see how that all plays out. So, yeah, no dunks every day. We do it uh, wherever you get your pods, uh, YouTube as well. If you get your pod there, if you like listening to pods, we're there. So, come on by. Fast. Thanks so much for taking the time. No problem, JP. Thank you.